How's everybody doing? Good. I can ask that. Last time I asked that, Uncle Mitch was just complaining about, oh, man. But I, since he's not, he's not here, right? Since he's not here, I can ask that. I know you all say good. Like, it's all good. So um, today we're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 7, and we are going to continue on in, um, I'm actually going through the Gospels on Wednesdays. I have Josh Beal helping me do that. And um, it's been really good. Uh, but last week I went into Luke 7, chapter, or yeah, chapter 7, verse 1 to 17. And on Wednesday I did 18 to 35. And if you weren't there, you missed it. But that's okay, because we're going to be in verse 36 and we're going to finish to the end of the chapter. And so before I start, um, I'm just going to tell you the plan. Uh, you don't got to guess where I'm going. Uh, usually pastors build up this message and then just drop like the, this is my point, like this is where I'm going. Um, I just pray as the Lord today reveals this morning his heart that in return we would give him ours. That's it. It's super simple. Like that's the simple gospel. Um, and I think that's what I read here. I was reading this passage over and over and over again, like, well, Lord, what are you trying to say? And the message is simple. It's Jesus forgives sinners. That's it. Like, there's not, if I'm going out, I'm reaching, and I'm not trying to reach. I'm just trying to say what this passage is saying. Amen? Um, I'm going to try to use a secular illustration. Um, I hope we get past this. Um, it's, it's not, it's, it's just something that I've seen, and I don't know if it fits in. I think it does, but um, in 2002, there was a movie called uh, Catch Me If You Can. I think it was a novel. I think it was based on a guy named Frank. It was based on a guy named Frank Abagnale. So Steven Spielberg brought to life um, a story about this man. Frank was a con man. Big con man. Dad was a con man. It begins with him running away from the drama within his home, and then all throughout the movie, young Frank, Leonardo DiCaprio, becomes one of the biggest, one of the most notorious conmans in the world. This is how he would survive throughout the movie. And so all throughout the movie, he just pretends to be somebody he's not. Right? Like, this is what he's doing. And so finally, uh, throughout the movie, all of the schemes and all of the scandals that he's been pulling catches up to him. Right? Hence the title, Catch Me If You Can. He's been forging checks in this movie um, under different names and occupations, stealing millions and millions and millions of dollars. And, and now the FBI got some win, right? Tom Hanks is on the case. Like, you don't want Tom Hanks on the case. <laughs> like, that's the last guy you want on your case. Uh, but during this wild goose chase, right in the middle of the, um, in the action, Frank, he falls in love. He falls in love with a young nurse. A and yet, what he really wants, he cannot have, which is that life, because the life that he's been living has finally caught up to him. Kind of see that? And so at the end of it all, it's Tom and Leonardo. He goes, how did you do it, Frank? How did you pass the bar exam in Louisiana? He just, he didn't believe him. He passed the bar exam. He became a lawyer. That's one of the things that he faked, but he really passed the exam. But he said, but the bigger question is, where are you going from here, Frank? Like, where are you going? Overseas? Like, you'll die in some prison over there, right? That's a, do you guys watch the movie? No? Is it just me? No, you guys never, right? Okay, anyway, you'll die in some prison over there. You want to run in the States? He said, you get 50 years. <laughs> you know what happens after this, right? 
Like, I'm trying to help you. Why are you trying to help me? You're just a kid, Frank. Well, I'm not your kid. I don't understand why you're coming after me. See, he says, you do understand. See, young Frank was young. Home life was challenging. Dad was a liar. He was a thief. He was a con man. He, and mom was a cheater. And while the entire world seen a con man, Leonardo, Tom seen a kid who was broken and wounded. And he knew that. And I'm going to try to use this illustration later. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But So in this story, uh, we have three people. Uh, we have a Pharisee here named Simon, and we have a woman from the city. Now, she didn't own a loft. Right? This is a woman from the streets. Right? She wasn't just from the city. She was a woman from the streets. Now, uh, we don't know exactly what Luke meant by that, but I don't think she had a good reputation. Let's just put it as that. We don't know too much about her backstory, but by the looks of it, she's had enough. So I'm not going to judge as to what she was or what she did. We just leave it as that. And then we have Jesus. So we have these three people, a Pharisee, a woman from the city, and Jesus. And so in this story, and this is just going to be kind of, I think, a quick message this morning. Um, in this story, Jesus is invited to dine with Simon, the Pharisee, at his house. And this is where the scene takes place. And so let's read verse 36 to 39. It says this, Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him, I'm reading out of the, uh, reading out of the NASB, I'm sorry, once again, if you guys need a Bible, there's Bibles on the sides. If you guys don't have one, please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. I would really love for you guys to follow along. Um, it says in verse 36, Now, one of the Pharisees, was requesting him, Jesus, to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. I love that Jesus always goes where he's invited. Amen? Verse 37, And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Father, we thank you for your word this morning, Lord. I pray that you would guide me through this, guide us through this, Lord, and pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, now meals like this, um, meals like this were not private. They were actually public. Uh, homes in these times had open courts. So people were allowed to come in and kind of observe what was going on. And so I'm just going to go through this story and just explain it, explain it how it is. That's, I think, the best way to do this. And if they wanted to, the common people, they could come around and observe and see uh, what's happening at this party. And so um, they could actually listen in to what the teachers discussed and talked about. Uh, it was uh, low-key eavesdropping, but it was okay back then, right? And because guests were allowed there, like we read in the story, it wouldn't have been hard for this woman to kind of straight beeline it to Jesus. She knew where he was. 
And yet, I don't think the battle was so much externally getting to him, but internally. I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. We know that this woman was dealing with some kind of sin, and we don't know what that is. But her reputation is known. It's known because Luke described her as a woman from the city, someone that um, everyone knew and everyone knew about. And so the wrestle may not have been the thought of all these people, but what all these people thought. Because, in ver- uh, because as we read in verse 39, we see this Pharisee say to himself, if you only knew what kind of person this was. Like if you only knew what kind of person is touching you right now. If you only knew that she was a sinner, oh my gosh, you don't think that Jesus knew that? Like, like, you don't think that Jesus knows that? Like, you don't think Jesus is trying to show you, Simon, that this is who I came for? Like, it must have been a breath of fresh air for this woman. Like, who knows how long she's been stuck in this lifestyle? I don't know. Like, who knows how long she's been waiting for a way out? having to deal with the shame and regret daily, not just from her choices, but from everyone around her. Everyone. Now, it was common courtesy back then uh, for people to wash people's feet as they entered their home. I don't think we would know that, but it's, that was the custom because feet got dirty. And a kiss on the cheek was a proper greeting. And then the host would anoint the guests with oil on their heads so that they would smell good. I don't know what we do in her, here in Hawaii. What do we do here in Hawaii? We let them use the bathroom. That's, the, that's, that's courtesy. That's, that's good. That's good, right? And give them something to drink. Um, now, I know most of us see worship as singing and declaring yes. But for this woman, it came from her tears and her posture. And that's kind of what I wanted to look at. And maybe as she knelt down, she seen that Jesus was being ignored by her host because his feet were still dirty. And so as she used her hair and her tears to clean his feet, she didn't care what people might have thought. I mean, what more could they say about her? She then pours a bottle of perfume on his feet and anointed him with it. Like Jesus was probably the best smelling person in that room. Everyone, everyone must have smelt this, smelt this fragrance. And I would think the smell of this perfume would fill the entire place like this. But that would have been it for them. For them, it would have just been a fragrance. They might guess as to which plants and spices she must have used or maybe what market she got the perfume from. But for Jesus, it was the fragrance of worship. That's what that was. It was the scent of a deep gratitude and a life that's been saved. And it wasn't expressed by her words, but by her actions. But Simon didn't understand this. Absolutely not. No way. And even though he also kept his words to himself, Jesus knew what he was thinking. That's scary. Jesus knew what he was thinking. And so he gives him this parable because Jesus loved Simon too. And Jesus always used earthly examples to help us understand heavenly principles. 
That's what the parables are. Parables are always meant to disrupt our natural way of thinking. Amen? Verse 40 says this, And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now, this woman wasn't saved by her love for Jesus. I want to make that clear. She was not saved by her love for Jesus or anything that she did in that house. Everyone here is saved by grace through faith. Jesus said, your faith has saved you. Amen? But what Jesus is saying right here is her love for him and everything that she did was the result of her being saved. We're good? All right. Now, Jesus explains to us in this parable that love comes from the one recognizing how much they've been forgiven. That's what Jesus says. See, what Simon failed to recognize wasn't the amount they owed. He knew that. One owed 500 and when the other one owed 50. What Simon failed to recognize was that both of them owed. That's the parable. Both of them owed. And Jesus says both were unable to repay. Whether a lot or a little, there's still a debt. Whether big sins or little sins, it's still sin. What he's saying is both of you are bankrupt, but only one of you recognize it. And I'm not saying this is you guys, but this is, this, this is I'm, I, don't, I know you guys doing here, you guys are meek and humble, you guys love Jesus, but this is the dangers of comparing ourselves to other people. It's self-righteous. It's easy to make ourselves be, feel better or look holier when I compare myself to someone doing worse than me. This is why Jesus gave the parable about the tax collector and the Pharisee. It, it says he told the parable because the religious rulers, the religious leaders in that day showed contempt towards everyone. And, and contempt is not hostility towards people. Contempt is not being mean to someone or sneering at them. That's not what contempt is. Contempt just means you think you're better than everyone. Like, oh my gosh, I'm better than that guy. I'm not saying that's you guys. I know that's not you guys. But this is the religious norm of these days. This was the norm. You, you wouldn't catch them dead with a woman like this. Like you didn't even let them get close without being called unclean. Now, could you imagine what she felt all these years? 
how she felt dirty and shameful and rejected. It was probably better to hide than to be seen. And then that condemning voice in her head. You guys know that voice. I know you guys know that voice. Why are you even here? Why are you here? You're not even welcomed here. And on top of that, seeing the look of disgust on people's faces as she makes her way to Jesus, and yet, I think she was ready to pull it, put it all behind her, right? In Matthew 11, Jesus preached a sermon before this dinner, and he said this. He said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is where that verse comes from. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Most people believe that this woman was a prostitute. I don't know that for sure, but whatever she had may have been, she wasn't that no more. Because even though she was rejected by most, she was welcomed by Jesus. And when most people only see the sin, Jesus seen the sinner. Simon might have seen a prostitute that day, but Jesus seen a daughter. This is a quick message, but for those of us, man, the invitation is for everybody here. I don't know where you're at. I have no idea where you're at. But if you're tired and weary, the invitation is for you. It's for everybody. Maybe the life you've been pursuing wasn't what it was cut out to be. You thought it was, but it was deceiving you. And the choices you made landed you in some very hard places. I just want to say, Jesus sees you and he wants you. Like, I don't think we hear that often. He sees you and he wants you. I'll say it again. He sees you and he wants you. He doesn't love your sin, but he loves you despite of it. And for the 50 denarii people, if you're here, Jesus loves you too. <laughs> I pray that you would see that this parable wasn't talking about the amount of sin in someone's life, but the awareness of it. That's all. Whether 50 or 500, Jesus died for it all. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, he's calling you out and in today. I don't know where you're at today. And just because you got saved doesn't mean that confession and repentance is, is the only time that it happens when you get saved. No, it, this is repeatedly, like, you want to love more. Jesus continues to forgive you and continues to forgive you and continues to forgive you. You have to just put your faith in Jesus that he died for your sins and rose again. And he offers forgiveness once and for all, past Failures, present screw-ups, I can use that, okay. present screw-ups, future mistakes, paid for. Like, that's the good news. There is no prayer, there is no dance. You just put your faith in him. You just put your faith in what he did on the cross, that's it. It's that easy. I pray that you would be convinced of this, and I'm going to probably say this every week. You have to be convinced of this. Not the person next to you, not the uncle screaming hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
You have, to be, you have to be convinced of this. Not me, not your mom, not dad, not uncle or auntie, boyfriend, whoever, wife, husband. You have to be convinced of this, that Jesus died for your sins, that he rose again for your sins, that he came for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, I thank you for this timely word, Lord God, and, and the simple gospel, Lord. I thank you, God, that we can have this time to gather and just sit in this, Lord. It's the gospel. It's, uh, the church is built upon this. And so we don't want to forget it. We don't want to grow out of it. We want to grow more into it. This is where life is at, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, for everyone here that they would be encouraged to now live for you, Lord. You paid the price. You said it is finished. And so, God, I pray that your spirit would fall upon every person in this room, that they would leave this place encouraged and ready to do what you asked them to do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.